Uh, we've been talking, and last week we went through those lists, remember? And it got really quiet in church. You could almost hear a pin drop. And the reason for that is because we all can identify with how relationships can go sideways. And um, sometimes through our own fault, sometimes through no fault of our own, uh, things twist. And all of us have been around long enough to see, and, and probably there's some, you kind of expect them, you know it's going to go. And other ones, you probably never ever factored that in that that could have happened there and part of uh what sets that up is the fall the fall is uh when we think of it uh in catholic theology it's known as original sin um, we know it as the fall in the garden of eden what happened when uh, they ate the fruit of the tree something very dramatic happened there something that um, has stained everything that we know uh, when paul says we see through a glass darkly in 1 Corinthians 13. A lot of what he's talking about there is trying to see through. It's like me trying to see you if I just look through my left eye right now. It looks like looking through a frosted glass. And that is kind of what it's like trying to live in life with the fall because it just colors everything we see. And so this morning, we want to talk about specifically um, the mystery of relationships and we're going to talk about mystery. So if you go to Ephesians chapter 5, and um, look there in verse 33, at the end of the chapter, Paul has written about uh, men and women in the roles of marriage. He said, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul calls in this passage marriage a mystery, and he says it's a the same kind of mystery as the mystery of Christ in his church. And when you think about it, it's, the church is a mysterious thing, right? How in the world it holds together for another week is absolutely miraculous. And yet it is the very institution that will never go away because it's the bride of Christ. There's, there's mystery there. And uh, Paul calls um, the, the marriage uh, part of it uh, a symbolic reflection that reflects Christ and his love for the church. And what a mystery it is, right? I mean, it's the highest of highs, right? You've gone to weddings. Uh, you probably at your own wedding. The sweetest of the sweet, the closest of the close, the best of the best, right? It's all that stuff rolled into one. Uh, as the Song of Solomon says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death and jealousy as fierce as the grave. It, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. It's talking about the greatness of love and the greatness of uh, marriage and the greatness of God's love for us. And yet that flame of the Lord, that flame that it's talking about there in the, Solomon, uh, the Song of Solomon can often go sour and toxic, right? Many of us have watched marriages start out with great beginnings and great hopes. But uh, it's fascinating. To, uh, I do lots of weddings. It's fascinating to watch those who've been married 15 or 20 years watch the new people make their vows with the not, knowing not of, well, we'll see how it goes after six months, right? Because we what? We've learned to anticipate the fall. We've learned... Uh, that it affects us. And so uh, that kind of joy and love and passion can often go sour and toxic. 
and actually burn up and destroy the very ones it was designed to protect. Uh, and we probably know people that have, and we've watched marriages that that has happened to. So the question this morning is, how does that get so tangled? How does that happen? What's the dynamics that are in play with this? Why is this thing called marriage such a tangled and mysterious relationship? Have you ever sat there in your married life and just been absolutely baffled? Or you went to talk to your mate and something flared so fast, you, for the life of you, you can't figure out how it flared that fast and what even the flare was about. It just went, right? And you were like, do I even know the other person? Do I even know me? What is going on here? So we're going to try and take a look at that this morning. Um, qualifier, um, I'm not using your material, right? Just, just so you know, okay? Try, try and keep that cool. Um, but let's, let's pray as we head into it, all right? Father, when we come to this, uh, first of all, Lord, this morning, thank you for the junior high retreat. We've gotten great reports of kids submitting their life to you. Would you preserve that work? and your sovereign grace, what you're doing with them as they come back home to all that is life here. We pray that you will grab them and that many uh, will be called out to uh, ministry, whether that be in a pastorate or missions field or involved in a church or in the workforce, Lord. All of that's ministry. And we seek you that you would raise up some great ones among us. And Lord, uh, as we pray for them, we come to you this morning with this topic of love and marriage. Uh, nothing is better on this planet and nothing can go more wrong. It is kind of a a distillation and kind of a window into what's uh, wrong with our world as a whole. And I am certainly no expert, Father. I have done a lot of weddings. I've been in marriage myself now for almost 20 years. I have counseled a lot of marriages and I often find myself baffled at the intricacies of it. So as I come this morning, what I'm seeking is your uh, grace to protect us and your grace to uh, help us gain insight and um, perspective on what this thing is called and how we need to cooperate with you. So we ask for your favor in that in your name. Amen. All right. Okay. Let's go to slide two. There we go. Uh, this morning I want to uh, open up with the topic of love and respect. Notice in that passage, it does not ask the same thing from each partner in the marriage. It says, men, we must what? Love our wives as Christ loves the church. All right? Look at that passage in Ephesians 5, and it's calling us to love. Ladies, that is not what it asks of you. What does it ask of you? It says that you must respect your husband. Now, why would God say that? Why is it different? And I want to walk through this morning. Uh, This is going to be very incomplete, all right? And um, so we'll walk through it this morning. But if you want to take this farther, uh, there's a book called Love and Respect. Uh, Dr. William Egericks is the author of it. And um, he's the... You can Emerson Egrich, sorry, and you can take that farther um, this morning. I'll put it put it up there. Yeah, there we go. And uh, so, but we're going to look at that and try and pull that apart a little bit and uh, see if that is helpful for us. 
First of all, what I want to talk about is motives. <laughs> I want to suggest to you this morning, there is no such thing as a pure motive on this planet. There can be some pretty close to pure motives, and there can be some very altruistic motives, but even on that level as humans, it can kind of come with a lot of garbage. So this is a molecule. Now, all right, now, if you're a science major, this is a made-up molecule, so this doesn't represent any real molecule on the planet, all right? Um, but if you look at a molecule, right, let's uh, take this. So helping others, we're going to talk about helping others, the motive of helping others. That can be, uh, have a lot of things. First of all, there's the spirit of volunteering, right? If you're going to help others, you got to volunteer. That would be true here. That would be true uh, if you helped in Mill Creek. It would be true if you helped at the school, right? So it doesn't matter where. You just have this uh, in your attitude, your heart, the motive of volunteering. Attached to that is probably some fear. What am I getting myself into? Well, how much is it going to take? Well, what if I don't know what I'm doing? Well, what if, what if the people don't like me or what, right? There's that, that attached to it. Also, probably uh, some anxiety, right? I, I've never done this before. I've never been to that school before. Uh, I've never been a house shepherd before. I've never, uh, right? Some, some anxiety with it. But attached to that also is some love. I care about other people. I, I, you know what? That love overcomes the fear and anxiety because I want to participate. I want to help. And so I'm going to do that. Attached to, attached to that is probably uh, some have-tos, right? Uh, I'm in the church. I suppose I should do something, um, you know, kind of that. But then also on the side, you probably find something where it's kind of a get-to, right? I, you know what? I, I like doing that kind of stuff. If all you want me to do is that, I, I could do that. I, I can sweep the parking lot. That works, okay? I can park cars. I can, yeah, that works. All right, thank you. That, that feels good. Along with that, there's probably some good deeds. I need to do some good deeds, right? There's in us that side that wants to be noble, wants to have some things in, in our resume that show good deeds. And so I'm going to pop this up there, right? And I'm going to have some good deeds uh, in my heart. And then along with that, I should obey, right? He is the Lord. I should obey. And so I'm going to step out in obedience, whether I have some fear or anxiety or not. Um, and on the other side, honor. I want to do the honorable thing, right? Have you ever heard somebody say that? It's the honorable thing to do. Does that necessarily mean their motives are all pure and why they're doing it? No, it's the honorable thing to do. Now, along with that, on the other side of honor, there might be some pride, right? Ah, I'm a good dude, right? And, and you, you have that sort of thing. And we could attach other things to this, like there might be some selfishness in there, right? There might be some disdain. You ever seen people who are helping people who have disdain for the people they're helping, right? It, it gets really convoluted and confused because our own motives aren't pure. And that is true in marriage. Nothing flushes up the impurity of your motives like marriage. And I would like to tell you this morning, uh, and those of you who are single, take note of this, that is actually by design. God designed marriage to flush up the impurity of our motives that way. Those of us who are married, could you say amen? Right? Okay? And very, very seldom 
Can a couple ever grasp when they first fall in love in the engagement period how selfish they are or how mean they're going to be or how nasty they can talk? That is well hidden during the engagement period. Is that that well hidden after the wedding? No, because now you're in the crucible. When you used to be single, you could run away, run in your room, shut the door, pull the covers over your head and pout. And nobody cared, right? Except maybe your dad. And, but once you're married, it follows you in the bedroom. Okay? There's nowhere to go. And so you under in, enter into this crucible. All right, so where that gets complicated then is when we talk about the mystery of communication. Not only is marriage mysterious, but communication is mysterious. Um, sometimes we can talk and it's just like, I totally get you, yes, right? And other times like, huh? What? Are you kidding? You ever have, right? You ever have that? And you're just like baffled. Uh, sometimes I may be sound like that to you. Sometimes it's the voice of God. And the other times, who hired that idiot, right? Just, it just, it works out that way. So, um, when we talk, here's, here's a guy and, and then here's a gal. First thing, guys and gals are different. Most of the time, we attribute that to the physical differences of men and women. But we are vastly more different than that. Just give you one, one area. We can't go into all of this morning, but just one area. So guys, when we're born uh, and we're in the womb, we get that testosterone bath, right? And that basically what it does is separates the con- separates the connection of the hemispheres in our brain so ladies if you think we only have a half a brain you're probably right all right so guys tend to think logically gals you don't get that okay so you you operate in both hemispheres so gals tend to operate intuitionally or relationally all right so guys tend to be in boxes gals tend to be relational you can see this when a couple goes shopping in a mall right? When a guy goes into a mall, what does he do? He's there to conquer. He's there to kill it. He walks in the mall. He doesn't care what other shops are there. He doesn't care about the people there. He's going to the store. He's getting the item. He walks out. 15 minutes, successful. Bam! Got it. Yes. Right? Is that how a woman shops? No. (laughs) If you watched at Christmas time, I did this at Christmas time just for fun, walking through with Pam, and you can see the poor guy's they're, they're sitting on the benches going, my leg, oh, killing me. And what kills the guys? Because they've gone to five different shops and the wife has looked at all kinds of, isn't this lovely? This is, but she hasn't bought one thing. And finally, the guys, hey, would you buy something? I don't even care what it is. Just buy something. I can't handle it. We're walking through these stores and we're not buying anything, right? Because what, what's the wife there for? It's the experience right? She doesn't need to buy anything. She's shopping and it's wonderful. And wasn't this a great way to spend time? And guys, nowadays with the smartphones, what do you see? You shop, I'm watching sports. Okay? That's, that's how it works. So we are really wired differently. There's a lot more we could go into that, but um, for the purposes of this morning, what this sets up is we have perception filters, and perception filters are basically how you look at the world, what, how I see it. So like if we took us and went outside and said, what do you see? Well, today we just see gray and rain. But if you take different people and go out, some people would notice the colors. Oh, look at how green it is. Isn't that lovely foliage and all that stuff? And others would say, wow, look at the architecture of the buildings. And other people would say, well, look at the cars out here. That's, I like the cars and the, you know, the styles. And, and someone else said, well, look at the people. And the car guy go, people? What people? You know, 
never seen them. That's why uh, David and John know this from their line of work, that if you get an accident, you can have five different people and five different reports of what actually happened because they're looking at it through the lens. We often call it a filter or we can, uh, in theater or drama, we call it a mask, right? And we hide people so we present ourselves, but back here is the real us, right? And I've often said often we're doing this, right, to people. So it's a perception filter, the grid through which I see reality. If you grew up in Canada, you see a different grid than if you grew up in America. If you grow up in Washington, you have a different grid than if you grew up in Denver or the Midwest or the South. You have a different perception filter. If you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter where you grew up. You have a different perception filter. And here's how this works. So imagine, uh, let, which way are we going to go? Let's start with the gal this morning, all right? So gals, you have had the absolute best day of life. It has been so awesome. You met with your best friend. You went out, had coffee. You just talked. It was absolutely fabulous. Uh, your job is going great. Your kids are the best kids on the planet. And it's just, you're just happy, 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 right? Guys, you've had the day from hell. Everything's gone wrong. And on the way home, the alternator died and you got stranded on the side of the road and you are Mr. Grumpy Bucket, right? So you are coming to the home and these two people now meet in this place we call home, right? And so ladies, you've been just wanting to just send that love out, right? You want to talk and so you come into your husband and so you send this kind of love message out. Hi, sweetie, oh honey. It hits his perception filter. Who made you the big happy jello sheriff of the house, right? And it sounds like this to him. Okay. Now, guys, how do we respond back? With what we thought we heard or with what she thought she sent? Nobody's going to say anything, are you? We will respond back with what we thought we heard, right? Because why? That's what we heard. The perception filter distorted the message that we were looking at, and so we, resp- we hear this as... Um, amplified. So these perception filters can amplify or distort the message coming through. Guys, how are we going to respond back? We're going to respond back in kind. So we respond back, right? Oops, here we go. Come on there. Oh, set. Right? And uh, it hits her. What does that sound like? Whoa! Whoa! What? what are you being so terrible for? I was just trying to talk to you, right? And it comes across as just really mean. So then she comes back in kind, right? And now, boom, it blows up and we got to fight. Those of us who are married longer than two minutes know that you can walk in the house, never say a word, and within 60 seconds be in a fight, right? And you're going, and for unmarried people, this is absolutely baffling. They're like, well, how could you be in a fight? You didn't say anything, all right? Well, there's some reasons for that, all right? When it comes to communication, uh, oh, I I got to add a part here, sorry. Um, We got to throw God in this, right? Because God's the great healer and he's our father and we're all Christians, so this should all work out right. But what I want you to see is that these perception filters extend to God himself, all right? So often we have a distorted picture of God. So if I, for example, had a bad dad 
and my, or let's say I had an absent dad or dad who left the family. Um, I don't have a real good filter for this picture of Father God. And so in a lot of ways, I think Father God might be just like that woman I married or like that man I married. And like, ugh, you know, who's, who's going to want to help with that? And so we get all bungled up. By the way, why do you think 80% of all Christian couples don't pray together? It's because of this right up here, all right? They try and it goes, and then it's done. How easy is it for Satan to just go, right? Distortion. Distortion. So in this process, a lot of times we know we should turn to God, but we don't either out of pride or fear because we're not sure we're right either. And we're not sure how it went sideways. But when it comes to communication, how can you be in a fight when you walk in a door and you never said anything? Those of us who are married know 64% of everything we say is nonverbal. has nothing to do with the talk. It has to do with our body posture. It has to do with how we hold ourselves. It has to do with our countenance. It has to do especially with the eyes. All right? Because our eyes communicate uh, the life of our soul. And so a lot of times when you catch someone looking at the ground, they won't look you at the eyes. Uh, they're communicating something very clearly, okay? Even though it's not in words. Along with that, it's communication is, uh, there's another level to it, and that is tone. Have you ever said the right thing with the wrong tone? Egerich says in his book, you can be really, really right, but wrong at the top of your voice. Have you ever tried to communicate something because you felt powerless, so you're trying really hard to communicate it, and then the other person feels slam danced by you? And it wasn't so much the words, it was what? The tone. The tone sounded harsh. The tone sounded mean. The tone sounded attacking and aggressive. By the way, guys have a harder time with that than gals do. Because gals, you think you're communicating love, and if you just get it out on the table, he'll respond warmly to you. No, see, guys are built in. Your heart rate, ladies, stays the same. Here's another way we're different. In conflict, your heart rate doesn't go up. Guys does. Guys get into the fight mode or the flight mode because they are built and wired for action. And so their adrenaline kicks in, their heart rate goes up. And so a lot of times, what does a guy do to protect himself? He just goes silent and quiet. Okay, what does that communicate, ladies? He doesn't care. Okay, he cares greatly. He, loves, he doesn't know what else to do, so he just goes silent because he doesn't know what to say. And that communicates to the lady nonverbally, you don't care. If you cared, you'd engage with me, right? Because gals, what do you do? Tuck it out. Oh, yes. Well, I was wrong too. Well, no, I was wrong. I oh, and we hug and kiss and everything's good. Is that how it works with your husband? No, it doesn't work that way, all right? And so communication, only 10 to 15% of what we share are the actual words, now, does that mean words are not important? No, words are critically important. Have you ever said the wrong thing? And once you get it out of your mouth, can you get it back? Right? I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. Right? And so what happens is it's very easy in the nonverbal layer, the tone layer, or the words layer for our communication to go sideways faster than we could ever comprehend. And then after a while, we start to think, well, this is, this is kind of unfixable. 
right? But it's really not. What we have to realize is that we're looking through uh, different par- <coughs> excuse me, different paradigms. I want to pop this up on the screen for you and get you to consider something this morning. Guys look through a respect lens, all right? Ladies, your filter is a love filter. For a gal, when we say in the church, unconditional love, ladies, does that make sense to you? Yes, right? You get it. It's boom, boom, boom. And we expect that to come from our husbands. Does the term unconditional respect make any sense? No. They look at the gals and going, what? Uncondition- no, no. He gets respect when he earns my respect. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, men, you, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How is that? He laid his life down, right? Unconditional. But ladies, you are to respect your husbands as the church respects Christ. Now, that may be a bad paradigm because I'm not sure the church does very well there. But the idea there is giving respect. Just as men are to give love, women are to give respect. And so often what we do is we strip respect out of the component both for men and women. A lot of times guys go, well, uh, you know, respect. Well, I didn't know that was that big of a thing. They uh, took a survey and said uh, in this survey for, this was for a corporation. In the survey, the question was, um, would you rather have uh, people love you or would you rather have people respect you? 81.5% of the guys said they would rather have respect than love. Matter of fact, they went so far, in the, if you read in the book, it goes so far as to say men would rather be respected in their home than loved. Why? Because that's how God wired them. And we don't think about that. We haven't spent a lot of time in that church because what we've said is we all have to love. And so it, it, it's tipped the equation out of balance. And so what we have is uh, the love component well, but we don't have the respect component. And so our marriages often um, tip and go sideways this way. And if you, again, if you want to read more on this, um, but one of the things that sets up is we have to start decoding the filters. We have to understand what's important to my wife and what's important to my husband. How am I supposed to talk to them? How does the Lord instruct me to talk to them? And by the way, this isn't easy. Um, trying to decode these filters. And again, I'd recommend the book Love and Respect on this if you want to take this further. But just this morning, thinking about um, this idea, if we don't decipher it, if we don't understand it, then marriage, both in conversation and attitude, tends to deteriorate into this kind of toxic stew where stuff just blows up and keeps escalating and we keep hurting and wounding each other and we can't figure out what we're doing. Now, what does that, what does that look like? Uh, another book that I use, I meant to bring them down, I left them in my office, but uh, is a book called Love Busters by uh, Will, Willard Harley Jr. And you can always remember the book because Harley, motorcycle, right? Get the book. Um, but Love Busters, we've taught it here in the church before. I use this with most engaged couples because most engaged couples cannot fathom that they will actually get angry with each other. Oh no, we're love. Those other dorky old people, they're just stupid. And they don't get it. They've never had love like our love. Our love is different than all the other loves that have ever existed. It's Princess Bride all over again, right? And uh, 
but they'd have no idea that they are going to have conflict and how that conflict can really go toxic. And in this book, what he says is if you don't figure out his needs and her needs, um, what happens is this deteriorates and there become several areas that become battlefields. And he lists these, uh, he calls these love busters. Okay, see if any of you can recognize any of these. First one, selfish demands. That would have never happened in this church, but in other churches, it is rumored that people have had a problem with that, right? We just start making selfish demands. And even sometimes when we are working to help the other partner, our demands come across as selfish because of misunderstanding the filters. How about this one, disrespectful judgments? Guys, you ever felt disrespected by the way your wife talks to you? Don't answer that. Gals, have you ever felt unloved by the way your husband talks to you? Get in the language here. Gotten real quiet, we'll move on. How about angry outbursts? We talked about this last week, but a lot of times what happens is um, we... Amp to get our point across. And so for us, we feel like we're talking at a two, but to our spouse, we're talking at an eight. And when the spouse comes back and says, why were you yelling at me? That was so hateful. I wasn't yelling. I was talking like this. Because we recontour the tone. Uh, But if we put recorders in our house and we could tape the tone and play it back not just for you but on sunday morning right we just hey here's an audio of the weed house i can pick on that because they're my friends of the weeds this week and and they said this is a two does that sound like a two to us let's hold up cards yes no right i right you get the point really quick we often are in denial about our tone we are often um, because it's, it's that moment where we're trying to athletically communicate a concept that we don't think the other person is going to buy, so we figure if we push it harder, they'll get it. Okay? There's, an, there's an old adage, uh, you can't push a string. Gals, have any of you ever tried to push your husband like that, and he just won't move? It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. And guys, how, how fast does your wife move if you're harsh in your tone? You ever see your wife's spirit just go, okay, just wilt. And once they go into their turtle shell, how easy is it to get them out of it? Not very easy at all. Angry outbursts. How about dishonesty? We start becoming dishonest, right? Because we're not going to tell the truth anymore. Every time I try to tell the truth, I get whacked. So I'm done. And so we we go silent. We stonewall. Uh, Not because we're not in love. Not because we don't care. We just don't know what to say. And we don't know how to say it. We've prayed about it. We're absolutely baffled. And um, we don't know where to take the thing. And so we, we just be, become dishonest. How are you doing? Fine. Was that good? Yes. Are you happy? Sure. How are we doing? Awesome. But you can't get out what you really feel and thinking. And so we live on a level of dishonesty, not because we want to be dishonest, because we don't want to hurt anymore. We don't know. And a lot of us did not come from families that were especially really well equipped with 
verbal skills and how to uh, tools to operate when you're under crisis, right? And this is where we get killed with the generational train coming down the tracks because um, it gets passed from our great grandparents to our grandparents to our parents to us. And under crisis, who do we go back to? We go back to what we learned. And what we learned was from our parents. And that can often override even scripture with what we know to do because emotionally we fall back to what we learned. And if you come from a broken family, that's double bad because it's really hard to rewire it uh, because that's how you always saw it handled. And so dishonesty. How about this one? If those didn't get you, how about this one? If there's anything that can booger you in marriage, no pun intended, you didn't get that. Okay, if there's, come on, listen up a little bit. If there's anything that can booger you in marriage, it's what? Annoying habits. Ladies, is there anything your husband does that just bugs you? Oh, I do this in spades to Pam. This is awesome. Okay? I grew up on a farm. She's a city girl. <laughs> okay? um, it, it, you know, I've come a long way. Um, but annoying habits, okay? That just, you don't, do, have you ever looked at your man and go, why do you do what you do? Are you kidding me? Do you think the rest of the planet operates this way? What is your problem, right? And it's just baffling to you why they would do that. And you, you're thinking, doesn't the Holy Spirit talk to them? Couldn't, don't they listen to, can't they get a clue how this drives me up the wall? And it can be things like as simple as which way is the toilet paper rolled? Or do you squeeze the toothpaste tube from the middle or the end, right? Or leaving the lights on. Yeah, yeah, there's a good one. Or how the silverware is stacked in the dish, or how you stack the dishwasher, or how the clothes are. I mean, we could go on forever, right? I'm staying away from all the personal ones. Just let's do the ones we know about, right? Annoying habits. And if we don't understand the filters, then when we try to communicate, gals, we disrespect guys we wall and don't love, and then it becomes very, very difficult. And then it deteriorates into this. How about independent behavior? You bought what? Yeah, we needed it. Well, what about our... I needed it. Deal with it. You been there? Done something? Well, why didn't you ask? Well, because I knew you'd say no. So I just did it. You can deal with it. Right? And that comes down to uh, all kinds of things sexually. That's his problem. I don't need it. Deal with it. I mean, it, it runs across the board on this stuff. And we, we, we churn and, we, and we're aggravated but, and it becomes really tangled. And instead of what's supposed to be a picture of Christ in the church in terms of eternity, becomes the worst hell on earth. To the point where uh, over half marriages wind up in divorce, including evangelical Christians like us who love the Lord. Because we haven't figured the filters out. All right, now I'm going to leave you hanging a bit this morning. I just, I just want you to know that because we've run out of time. But the antidote is mutual submission. Mutual submission in what God calls us, God calls us to do at the, in the beginning of chapter 5, or in the middle of chapter 5 there in verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. But understand this, what we've talked about this morning. If you want to work on this a little bit this week and pray through it, what it means is different for men and women. Submission to God means, guys, we love our wives like Christ loved the church. Is it easy for Jesus to love the church right now? Isn't it fantastic he loves her anyways? 
We were, would we be if Christ quit loving the church, men? Thorns, warts, and all, okay? He continues to love his church. That's what we're called to do. So our submission takes on that love component. You have to talk. You can't stonewall. You, can't, you can take a break, but you got to come back and say, look, let me take a breather. Let me get my heart rate down, and then let me come back. And what were you saying again? And, and come back at it. And one of the hardest things to do in conflict is to move towards your wife because it, it seems like you're walking into enemy fire, right? But to move towards her seems strange. I remember when Pam and I were first married, and I wouldn't recommend this, by the way. This is not uh, marriage advice. But this is what happened with us is um, I'm a little bit stronger than Pam and she's a little bit smaller than me. And she's barking at me and we're getting in this fight and she's mad. I said, I'm going to hug you. No, you're not. I just picked her over and threw her on the bed and started kissing her. And they, oh, she, that was so wonderful. All right. Because in her barking, she wanted me to move towards her. But did it feel like she wanted me to move towards her? No. Right. Now, guys, the reason you have to be careful with that is my wife is not your wife, okay? That doesn't work. It's not universal, and I don't apply that across the board. I'm just telling you how it worked for us, all right? But I know if I move towards Pam, it works. Likewise, ladies, your submission is giving your husband the respect that God commands you to give him. It is not about him earning it. Get this. It is not about him earning it. You are commanded to give him respect. If you think about it, ladies, when you were courting, what made your man glow? What made your man puff his chest? What made, because you gave him, you thought you were giving him love. That's what, no, no, you were giving him respect. He was the knight on shining armor. He was the man. He was the one you picked. He was the one who caught you. And he was, he had respect and honor out of that. And that's what made him light up. When you strip respect in your language to him, when you strip him down and emasculate him, He'll just wall off and shut off and walk away. And you'll never get him back. Right? Now, if you were Satan, how would you work that? If you were the enemy of the church, if you were the enemy of God Most High, if you were the enemy of the Lord Jesus and everything he did, how would you work that? Right? Matter of fact, I will bet you this week some of you had what I'm talking about. And you're going, okay? Just know the Lord loves you. And no, I didn't know. I don't have your home tape, okay? But it's serious because we're losing the battle in marriage. And if we don't understand what the warfare is and we don't understand what's at stake, we will not gain ground because non-believers are smart. They look at our marriage and they go, who would want that? Right? And so our... God-given responsibility as believers is to reflect the Lord in a right way. Guys, we do that by loving our wives, regardless of the firefight. And gals, we do that by giving respect, regardless of whether he deserves it or not. Is that easy to do? Is it redemptive? Yes. Let's pray. Father, uh, as we walk this morning, uh, my concern is that we haven't been able to go all the way in depth with this and so there's loose threads hanging even in this and certainly our enemy is going to want to tangle and scramble it as people walk out but having said that you are the great great communicator you are brilliant your word is brilliant the things you left is brilliant
And you know men and women because you made both of them. And you understand how they're wired. And uh, our generation is not unique to you. There's nothing different that hasn't been on the face of the earth since the beginning. And as we pray this morning, might you um, be gentle but insightful with how we could cooperate with you on this and make a difference in our marriages. Lord, I pray for marriages that are so attractive. People would have to come to Northview to see what's going on because they would desire that kind of relationship, Lord. And may you uh, help us see the bigger battle in the day-to-day grind that uh, Satan's trying to strip that and our joy of you and our love of you all at the same time and our love for each other. And we pray against that, and we ask that you would help us, and we give that to you in your name. Amen.